Hey there, listeners. Ritter here. Just want to do a small service announcement and let you know that we have officially switched podcasting hosts. Because of this, our episodes will no longer be showing on SoundCloud. We'll be doing one or two additional episodes, but after that, you won't see us on here anymore. So if you're our primary SoundCloud listeners, we please ask that you follow us on other podcasting platforms or on our new host, Anchor. You can find more information at our Twitter at twitter.com slash buncinema. Now back to the episode. Here's an intro song for a movie podcast. Some are pretty good, but we'll just suck ass. One, two, three, four, four, three, two, one. Watch with us for Cinema Buns. Let's go! Hello, and welcome to Cinema Buns. I'm Ritter. I'm Mike. And I don't have a bit, so I'm saying Kevin, because we have a guest today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Want to go ahead and introduce yourself and uh, let us and the listeners know who you are? Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Ritter. Um, uh, my name is Scott Gore, and I'm the screenwriter. I'm the screenwriter for the movie Instant Karma, uh, which just came out on streaming services earlier this month. And uh, start with that. First off, congratulations. Thank yeah, you very much. Yeah, yeah, Congrats. absolutely. Yeah, it's always a big. It don't it don't matter where it come out. If you even get one made, that's a big accomplishment. So, uh, what got you into filmmaking in particular? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I I guess this is probably true of almost all filmmakers. It starts with film going. Right. Uh, mm. so as, as a kid, you know, I just remember going to see movies all the time uh, with with my dad and with my brother and. Um, and even going to the drive-in theater as a little kid, that was always a big highlight. You know, you buy the big bag of popcorn at the grocery store and just pile into <laughs> the car and head to the drive-in theater. So Getting butter all over the back seat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, just a mess, you know, trying to sneak people in in the trunk and whatever it takes. But, uh, no, I've loved movies ever since I was a little kid. Um, never really thought I would be involved in them in any way for most of my life. Uh, but one of my sons uh, studied screenwriting at Grand Canyon. And um, so uh, he started in sports management um, and then switched to screenwriting. And I thought, oh, well, that's that's cool. Um, and his mom and I were both fully supportive of that, um, as long as it didn't mean any extra time in college, because we told him we we're just paying for four years. <laughs> so he got his screenwriting degree. And um, and I remember reading one of his screenplays and I was just fascinated by it. I was like, wow, this is cool. I'm you know, if you've never read one, you don't know what the format is. And so seeing the format, it was like, oh, okay, this is really cool. See how the scene, you know, the action description, the characters, the dialogue, how it all comes together. Um, so anyway, four years ago um, is when I wrote my first screenplay. So pretty recent. Um, and I was going through a hard time. I had been through um, some, some difficult challenges pr prior to that. And then um, things were not going well at home and I was actually getting separated. And um, before that happened, I woke up one morning with an idea in my mind for a scene. And uh, I thought, oh my gosh, that, that would make a good scene. It was actually something that happened to me in childhood mm -hmm. on Halloween while trick-or-treating. Um, but there was something more to it that was in the dream sequence that I was in. <laughs> I thought, wow, that's a great scene. And in my head, I'm thinking, wow, that's a great movie. Um, and so I told my son, who is the studied screenwriting i said hey i got this idea for a movie and i told it to him and he's like well dad that's just a scene and uh i said yeah but it's a really good one and so um so anyway i i asked him to borrow some books 
which he let me borrow. And uh, I read those, I watched some videos, and I wrote my first screenplay called Bring Them Back uh, four years ago. And um, it took 98 days to get the first draft uh, completed. Wow. So this is quite different from a lot of people who, um, I guess, go into filmmaking uh, as a passion from when they're like teenagers and then go to college for it and then start out in their like 20s. This is like something you picked up like really recently. So you said you started just writing four years ago. Very, yeah, very late in life. I was, uh, I was almost 58 years old when I started. Wow. So how did your son take it when you started attending classes with him? <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew where the boundaries were. I didn't, I didn't do that. He, he had already graduated by that point. And um, so you, I just bought his books. You weren't by proxy getting a, a free education <laughs> by being like, hey, what can you pass? Get me a copy of your homework so I can study too. <laughs> no, I, I wanted to skip all that. I wanted to skip all the tests and research papers. And- you just went straight in and wrote a screenplay? Just went straight in. Let me read the books, watched a few videos, uh-huh. and then I was off and running. So is screenwriting like your main, uh, how should I say this, your main profession right now? Is it just kind of like a side hobby that you're doing while you have time? Or Yeah, great question. Um, it certainly started out as a hobby. And as far as what I've been getting paid so far, it still is very much in the hobby category. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I would love for it to become in the uh, second career, mm-hmm. uh, late career category. Those those sweet sweet streaming bucks haven't come in yet. Exactly, <laughs> we're that's down the road, but hopefully. Oh, okay. So, um, uh, uh, can I just like butt in? Are you um, and your son working together, or do you guys have like um, separate movies, or like just you guys haven't like worked together screenwriting or anything? Yeah, great, great question, Kevin. Um, the interesting thing is my son who studied screenwriting, his name's Dean, um, he's a teacher. He's a fifth grade teacher at a charter school okay. and hasn't been writing uh, any screenplays. He still watches a lot of movies, reviews them and critiques them and has a great eye for him, but he hasn't gotten into the profession. Um, my youngest son is, is very much into um, movies and wants to study screenwriting. He's going to Scottsdale Community College. His name's Peter. Mm. Uh, he, he wants to write screenplays, make movies, etc. Uh, he's 20. Uh, my oldest son, Alex, um, is 30. And he and I are working on um, sort of a sequel to the Instant Karma movie right now. We're going to write that together. And that's called okay. Christmas Karma. So I'm really excited to work with him. Because all of my kids, I feel like they know it better than I do. So anytime they are involved with me and contribute and give their ideas, it's like, oh, yeah, of course. Like, Nice. Yeah. So I know with some of the other uh, filmmakers we spoke with, uh, usually when it comes to writing for a movie, once you write it and someone like options it, your part of it is done unless they want rewrites. But Mm -hmm. uh, we watched Instant Karma and we finished watching it probably an hour ago. Oh, Um, nice. And (laughs) yeah, and it all and it was all local Arizona production. Did yeah. you have a different experience since it was all very local or was, was your part in the movie just once they agreed to the screenplay, you were done? Yeah. Um, so great question. Can I go back a little further in the story to kind of, of course, yeah, absolutely. Got to there. Okay. So I wrote that first one, um, you know, bring them back in uh, 98 days. And then I thought, 
All right, let me print this out and read it out loud because I was read you're supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> let me see how it sounds. And um, and I remember reading through the whole thing. It was about 100 pages and thinking this does not totally suck. <laughs> and I was ecstatic. I was just like, yes, it doesn't totally suck. Like that's that's how low the bar was for me. I was just so happy. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, there was the you know, crazy part in my head waiting for Spielberg to want to call me and <laughs> right. like Absolutely. film. Um, but the more realistic part was I was so happy it didn't totally suck. So then I was, I'm involved in the Phoenix Screenwriting Association uh, here locally. So I'm, I'm actually serving on the board now, um, but at the time I was just a member. And so I took 10 pages from um, Bring Them Back to a workshop. Um, and, uh, at the Barnes and Noble at Tempe marketplace, I remember specifically where we were and <laughs> like, Oh, this is so exciting. Now I'm going to hear other people say, it, not just my voice saying, it. and then, um, you know, people read the first 10 pages and I was just like, Oh my gosh, it's like, we're walking in molasses. This yeah. is so slow. And I was like, Oh, and then I remember someone saying, um, Jessica, uh, who's a great friend now, she's like, do you want to write a novel? And like, I knew that wasn't a compliment, you know, it's like, <laughs> There's like just way too much detail in the action description line. And um, so anyway, I got so much feedback. Another guy uh, said, wow, that's a lot of exclamation points. Um, I think there was well over 200 um, in the first draft. So I worked on rewrites, worked on rewrites. Um, It's on edit number 18 now, the first one. Mm, Uh, Then I wrote a second one because the first one was a thriller horror about a sister losing her best friend to suicide. And it's like in a dark place, um, which is where I was because my best friend from college had committed suicide. And so it was actually very therapeutic writing it um, in someone else's circumstances. And um, so my second one was a um, little more upbeat, romantic comedy, what are the odds? And I don't need to explain that one. But uh, then I thought I want to get something made. And I'm sure you guys probably know who Mark and Jay Duplass are. Um, Directors, actors independent films um hbo you you know what if i saw their face i would probably remember mark for sure because mark is the younger one usually in front of the camera they made movies since they were little kids Mm -hmm. great inspirations to me heroes of mine um and so they always talked about get stuff made make stuff do stuff make stuff stuff. just put it out there big proponents and i thought well i want to make something you know what are the odds of writing a spec script as a newbie and getting someone to want to make that so I thought, well, let me write some shorts because that's more realistic to get those made. So mm-hmm. I wrote my first short, uh, which was 20 pages. And a friend of my brother's was going to um, USC film school and um, he read it. He's like, dude, it's got to be 10 pages or less. And I was like, oh, OK. Um, so I totally wrote another one because that one was too much for 10 pages. And uh, the one I wrote was um, called Reset. So uh, my son, Peter, he and I were shopping for cars looking for his first car and we're test driving a car and on the dashboard, it's got the date and it said something like June 12, 2013. And so, so I looked at him and I said, did you touch the, did you mess with that? Did you mess it up? He's like, no, I didn't touch it. I didn't touch it. It's okay. So then we're driving it back to drop it off to the guy we were test driving from. And I thought in my head, cause this was just a couple of years ago. I thought, Oh, wouldn't it be weird if we got back there to drop it off? And it was and 2013 it was and our car was gone. And it was June 12, 2013. <laughs> that would be really trippy. Well, he was there when we got back, but the seed was planted. And so I wrote a, I wrote a short called Reset. So it was about eight or nine pages. 
And um, and then I met a local guy um, through the Phoenix Screenwriter Association. He's like, I'll help you produce that. So I was like, yes, I'm going to get something made. Um, and then uh, then COVID happened. So, you know, everything kind yeah. of came to a standstill. Well, anyway, a few months into that, I get an email from uh, Tammy, Tamara McDaniel, saying, hey, uh, there's a local director looking for a screenplay that he can film. Send your log lines. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I sent my log lines to my two features, but I also sent the one for reset. And um, and I got an email back right away saying the director likes the, the reset idea. Can you send the script? So I sent that and then I got an email right back. And it's like, um, can can you write this as a feature in a hurry? <laughs> and of course, you guys know what the right answer to that is. It's yes. <laughs> and then you just figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not knowing if you can, you know, it's like, yes, of course I could do that. So you say you yes, but the bloodshot in your eyes says no. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Yes, director. I, I do know how to speak Japanese. <laughs> yes, yes. So, uh, so he's like, "Well, let's meet." So we met. I told him how I thought I would do it. He had some ideas. Uh, we hashed it out. Kind of worked on an outline. He gave me a contract to write reset as a feature. So um, I was like, "Oh my god, I'm I'm actually getting paid to write a screenplay." Like, how did this happen? You know, pinch me. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and man. It was just like the creative energy was flowing because it was Memorial Day weekend three years ago. I wrote Reset as a feature. I think it was 84 pages in four days. Wow. Oh, gosh. So it was like it was on, I was on fire. It was just like I, I did, you know, I, I would go and pee and drink and eat and just, <laughs> just, just typing. So that kind of impressed him, my speed of work. Um, so then I volunteered to work on the set of one of his films that was locally here, a film called um, house house of quarantine and um and it was a three three days they had to finish shooting so he said it's friday saturday sunday so i thought well i'll take off work from a regular job friday and mm. you know weekend and he put me in touch with tamara same lady uh who was running that for him and she said okay i heard you're involved Matessa, said you're gonna help i said yeah she said okay so we're gonna start friday night at five and go till saturday morning at six and then saturday night at six until sunday morning at seven and then Sunday night at 10 until Monday morning at 11. And I was like, oh, my God, I never, ever, ever would have volunteered. Yeah. It was three all-nighters. <laughs> but thank God I didn't know. Um, so, And I, I volunteered, had a great time, was wiped out. But the day after, Matesh Patel um, got in touch with me, the director, and said, hey, um, I've got this other story called Instant Karma. Will, would you do the rewrites on it for me? I said, sure. You know, again, having never done rewrites, I was like, yeah, okay. Mm. And, uh, so we met and we did a contract. Um, and then I went over ideas of how I would do it without seeing the original. And then once we got all those ideas together, he said, how about this? How about you just write your own version of it? I said, okay. Uh, that actually sounded much better because I didn't know what, I never saw what the other person wrote, but I didn't know even how to do that. Mm. So I wrote uh, Instant Karma in about a week. And then uh, we did rewrites for another week, and then we did a casting call, and then filmed a couple weeks later. Okay. So longer story than you're probably asking for, but that's no, of... that was fine. So like after casting's done and production starts, was there yeah. any part yeah. of production that you took part in, or was that just kind of Patel and his right? He yeah, and the crew and stuff like that, and the cast. Um, I volunteered two days. I was on set one day. Actually, wasn't 
yeah, I was volunteering as a as an actor, as a background actor. So how was Fillmore Coffee? Uh, <laughs> it's a great place. I love the vibe there. It's a very cool place. I had never been there before. I don't even drink coffee. Right, so right. can't can't comment on that. But yeah. it was a great, great place. Um, and then so I was just there for that shooting those scenes there. And then uh, I came back another day. Uh, when we were filming a lot of the outside scenes where he was meeting Harry when the car breaks down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was a PA for that day. And so, um, you know, it was a 13, 14 hour day. It was probably about 115, 118. Yeah, and yeah. I was running people around in my car, taking them, meeting them, saying hi. Okay. You know, yeah, it was, a, it was very noticeable that no one was like sweating whenever they are outside. Because I think as soon as like... And I'm I'm also surprised you say it was 113. I would assume that this would either be filmed during the winter time, um, but now you guys like. <laughs> it was August. <laughs> wow, Jesus! Brutal. It was brutal. The cast and crew did a phenomenal job. So yeah, uh, big ups to makeup for making sure no one looked like they were glistening. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was about to say. There's just that half of the budget was just on towels <laughs> to pad everyone down in between shots. Yeah. So how? So with talking to past people who had just did the writing portion, were there any major differences between what you wrote and what actually ended up as the film? Were there scenes taken out, added in that you didn't write in or anything or? Yeah. Cause like, I'm sure uh, the people who have seen the movie will have a version that came out, but do you have any like just juicy alternate versions of scenes that happened or? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I remember hearing horror stories about that. Like people are like, oh, you know, you write a screenplay, you know, and then they film a screenplay and then they make, you know, edit a movie and they're all three very different. Right. Uh, but I think because Mitesh and I were working hand in hand on the script, you know, like we went over the outline and everything and we were in agreement on that. And then we wrote it and then we did probably four, four or so sets of edits all from his notes. Um, we pretty much filmed what I wrote. So that was that was really cool. Nice. That was cool. There was um, there was a few scenes where like I wanted to write some different stuff and he didn't want you know right. he wanted to go a different way. So like that happens. Um, there was a lot of scenes where he gave input and made them so much better, which you know that's usually the case because he had the vision in mind of uh, what he wanted to see on the screen. Uh, but it was it was a great collaborative effort of uh, putting it together. Um, and then, um, you know, the final result that you guys saw is um, I think we edited it down. There was an original version that came out at the Chandler Film Festival um, about a year and a half ago. And um, I think we cut a few scenes out of that um, and added, did some more with the music and sound uh, to have a crisper, faster moving story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the funny thing is, like, when I watched it at we did a premiere on June 29th at uh, Look Theaters in Chandler. Mm-hmm. And uh, so cast and crew and friends and stuff were there. And I was talking with Stu Jetson, who plays uh, Jeff, the main character. He's like, yeah, they took out several scenes. And I was like, "Like, really? Like, it had been so long since I'd seen it. Yeah. I, I didn't know what was missing. And, and actually, several of the scenes, I was like, oh, wow, that's really good. Like, who came up with that? Like, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it had been that long. So, um but it, yeah, I think I think the end result uh, came out really good. Nice. So 
This was uh, Matesh's like original story, right? And then he had you brought along to go and change it up. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. So when it says story by in any credits, it's usually that person came up with rough draft of the screenplay or anything. And then when it says screen screenplay by or written by, it's usually, hey, I've got this idea. I need your guys' help to write it. Is that usually how it works? Yeah, I think so. Like um, when we did Instant Karma, I didn't even know there was a story by credit, uh, honestly. Cause, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know what I'm doing here. You know, I'm just waiting in um since instant karma i we wrote a sequel to instant karma instant karma 2 and then i wrote another one uh called woman in the maze uh which we filmed uh in april um in i local- did see that credit on your imdb page yeah so that one is in post-production now and that's when i got introduced to the whole story credit thing because mm. Mesh had an idea for that uh about a woman from California, coming to Arizona to look at some properties and getting kind of trapped in a house that becomes a maze that she can't get out of. Mm. Um, and so that was his idea. And then I came up with a story around that. So we shared story credit on that one. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, Cause we were like looking for your name when the movie started and uh, yeah, it just said like directed by Mitesh Patel and then like story by Mitesh Patel. And then I think it wasn't until like screenplay showed up. Yeah. Yeah. Screenwriter showed up. And then saw Scott Gore and we're all like, wow, (laughs) (laughs) that's him. That's the guy. So, uh, earlier you mentioned, uh, the screenwriters guild or screenwriters. Phoenix screenwriting association association. And you went from member to now member of the board. How did that happen? How'd you go from hobbyist screenwriter to, yeah, I'm on the board. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I was, um, yeah, a lot has happened in the last four years, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of it quickly. Um, like, I just joined because I was just so hungry to learn. You know, I just needed to learn. And, um, and they had such great workshops and seminars and we had all day long things. Um, and so... I think they just kind of same way Matesh and, you know, wanted me to work with him. Like they picked up all my energy and enthusiasm. And, um, and I do have a background in fundraising. Um, the last 12 years now I've been fundraising consultant mm. I've been involved in the nonprofit sector, uh, for 35 years now. Um, so I have that background. So I think because of that skill set and then just my enthusiasm, uh, for the organization, they asked me to serve on the board. Um, Actually, it's it's been over two years now. So it's been a couple of years I've been doing that. Wow. And, um, at first, I was like, no, no, thanks. I, I, I'm honored. Thank you. You know, but mm-hmm. then they prevailed upon me. And I was like, OK, all right. you, you were voluntold. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, willingly and gladly. Though. I like to think that uh, from your son's perspective, uh, you just told him like, hey, I think I'm going to take up screenwriting. That looks interesting. You leave. And then you come back. I'm on the board of directors for Phoenix <laughs> <laughs> screenwriters, and I have two movies in the pipeline. <laughs> and then he's like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. And yeah. he's just buttering his toast, going, "You what?" <laughs> That's right. He's he's grading his math papers and saying, like, he's really he loves teaching. So I'm not belittling that at right. all. But yeah, we, it wasn't. Like, uh, if you looked at the script earlier of the way this was going to play out, this was very unexpected twist. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. 
So uh, I know one question I try to ask filmmakers, because it is a very prevalent question, especially within film. Uh, when you put creative works out in the world and it gets distributed, a lot of people have a lot of opinions. Uh-huh, so yes. <laughs> given that, uh, have you read any reviews of your uh uh sorry have you read any reviews of your own work and how do you respond to negative and like positive criticism are you receptive to it is it kind of like a eh, they're they don't know filmmaking or anything like how do you how do you deal with it in your own man you are killing it with these questions Ritter. that's that's a fantastic question he, he's uh, a big film guy interview <laughs> oh i try <laughs> I do what I can. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's a great question. I remember um, Googling it and seeing some guy had put up a review, some random guy um, on YouTube. And um, I don't know if he gave it like two and a half or three out of five stars or something like that. And uh, he said some things he liked. It was, you know, a little video of him giving his review of it. Um, and, uh, and it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't all positive. It wasn't five out of five. So I was like, oh, okay, that's, you know, I see what he's saying there. Um, and so I, I commented like, Hey, thanks. Thanks for the feedback. Appreciate it. You know, it's my first time. Mm. All, all feedback is welcome. Um, and I think I learned that at the Phoenix screenwriting association, um, at the workshops at the, uh, we have a, we have a meeting called, um, in the works. Uh, mm-hmm. we meet once a month and, um, at Floridino's restaurant, give them a shout out in Chandler on almost school road. And, <laughs> nice. Uh, they're great. They're, their staff's phenomenal. Um, and it's got a great, uh, meeting room and we do, we do, uh, actors reading writers. So not only do you just hear it, but you hear people like doing the roles. So that's even better. And they always tell us, you know, if someone gives you feedback, don't defend, you know, um, if you need, if, if you uh, need question for clarity or something like that, but just be open, you know, and it doesn't mean what they're saying is going to be helpful to you, but it might be. So just have an open attitude towards it. So I think that has prepared me a little bit uh, for getting feedback. Now, I, I know that there's a bunch of uh, reviews on IMDb, or at least someone told me that I haven't looked at them, um, but there's only a few on Amazon. Um, and um when I, when I first looked on Amazon for reviews, there was two and um, one of them was five star. I was like, oh, sweet. But then the other was two star. I was like, oh, dang, that's a disparity there. <laughs> What's going on? And um, so I read the second one and I don't want to get into a whole lot of details, but um, it was someone who I know who uh, had communicated with me about the film privately. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had some concerns about the faith-based nature of it and then mm. it wasn't their faith that was being portrayed and um and i think their review reflected a chip on their shoulder mm. so um you know and i contact them they're like oh no i do that all the time blah 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 any faith-based film blah 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 and i was like okay whatever you know they did what they thought they needed to do which felt pretty unfair in D- my opinion. D- different critiques have different levels of value depending on their subject. Exactly. Mm-hmm. exactly. So that one was mm-hmm. under my skin for a good three or four days. And now it's like, okay, that happened, whatever. That's that's his world that he's living in. And he did what he did because he thought that's what he should do. So moving on. Yeah, you know? right. 
I so, think for a lot of creatives, like their harshest critics is themselves, and it's usually when they're writing or like doing making the thing that they want. Um, so as soon as like you kind of can get over that hump of getting over your harshest critic yourself, that yeah. you start to that you kind of just learn um, to accept the feedback of like others. Or depending on who you are, you're like, oh, their notes are nothing compared to what I wrote myself. Right. <laughs> <laughs> At one point. I am going to be honest. There was a movie we watched that my uncle starred in back in the 90s. Oh, nice. And <laughs> it's garbage. Oh, okay. Terrible movie. And uh, he still had the contact info for the director because he's still friends with him. And I was like, it would be amazing to interview him because, like, our philosophy is is that, like, everyone's going to make a bad movie once in a while and sometimes there are extenuating circumstances that, like, determine, like, that it became bad. Like, with Hard Kill with Chris Lamont, it was that he's like, yeah, no, I had a screenplay and they rewrote 80% of it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, was that the one with Bruce Willis? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, yeah. we asked him and he's like, oh, no, they rewrote, like, 80% of the screenplay. They kept in just enough to still say that I wrote for it. <laughs> and right. so we, like, emailed them and I'm like, hey uh willing to do an interview he's like yeah they're redistributing my films is great can i get a link to the episode you did on i'm like yeah and i linked it and i wanted to be fair and i was like hey fair warning we were fairly critical of the movie but we would still like to interview just get your perspective and he's like why would i why would i subject myself to that oh and he just and then got got ghosted hard oh (laughs) and i was like okay well all right we just won't interview you next next movie let's go (laughs) yeah no i can i mean i can understand that and um i think one of the things i liked about working with matesh was he's like hey the first film i made is called the man in the maze you can find it on amazon it's horrible Uh, (laughs) so and you're working on the sequel girl in the maze right where is she (laughs) Which is not a sequel. Totally unrelated. <laughs> but I like the title, so we kind of, yeah, totally unrelated. But like, so I went and watched that on on Prime, and it was like, oh god, yeah, that was really bad, you know. I mean, but it was the first one he ever made, so it was like, one one of my favorite sayings is, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly mm-hmm. first. Yeah, I know a very common like saying and like rule of thumb within the film industry is that. It doesn't matter how good the idea is. The first thing you make is always going to be shit. Just make it. Don't worry about it. Just make... Because you're going to learn what to do correctly while trying to make it. And then your next thing can be better. Yeah. And the experience of going through all of that is like invaluable. Yeah. Like you need to get it out there first. Yeah. It's pretty much just like, just make it. Don't... it. Even if it's crap, it was probably going to be crap anyway because you don't have any experience in filmmaking. Exactly. Speaking yeah. of which, that first screen write, uh, that first screenplay uh, about the cemetery that you wrote, th- is that going anywhere? <laughs> oh, uh, bring them back. Yeah, bring them back. Um, it's it's like in the you know. Is that gonna world. is that gonna be like your uh, magnum opus, your <laughs> your baby that uh, at the end of your career you'll turn into a film and. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I would love to see it get made. I mean, it's um, it's a thrill or thriller film uh, dealing with uh, personal loss and grief mm-hmm. and 
most of us don't do well with that. Um, and I remember shortly after I wrote it, uh, seeing the um, remake of uh, the Pet Cemetery. Oh yeah, the yeah. Recent one, Stephen King movie. And um, and I thought, well, that that's the same story. You know, here's a family that experiences loss, don't know how to deal with it, don't know how to grieve, and so they do this crazy thing to try to bring the daughter back, and it just goes crazy. And kind of um, bring them back is a similar thing. It's two sisters and. The younger one commits suicide and the older one doesn't know how to deal with it and process it. And, um, so I think I would love to see it made at some point. So, um, but who knows? And just why. know if you ever need extras, our email is right there in your yeah. inbox. Uh, <laughs> okay. All but, right. But uh, Mike, you've been fairly quiet. Um, yeah, what you okay. So there was one. <clears throat> so uh, since you wrote this uh, screenplay or like helped and collabed for it, uh, as far as like char- coming up with like the characters and uh-huh. stuff for w- what uh, what inspired some of the characters that you made in this uh, movie? Yeah. Now, are you talking like the main characters or some? Of, I mean, since it's a rideshare drive, there's a whole bunch of. Um, I'm assuming like a lot of the um, different customers that come in were just like uh, a lot of you writers at a table just throwing out like, OK, one of the customers uh is a crazy lady who just beat up his boyfriend uh it's a bunch of customers they're two college girls uh let's uh one of of them's a mob boss (laughs) the meanest college girls you've ever helped (laughs) who are getting ready to do some mushrooms yeah Um, no i i wish there was a bunch of writers sitting around all those conversations are happening in my head kevin so (laughs) that's that's just me coming up with like okay Mm -hmm. Who 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 else do I like to see? Now Matesh did uh say uh suggest Josh, the singer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On the voice and vanilla Aardvark. Um and he contacted him because he's a local guy and said, Hey, do you want to be in the film and have a cameo and make some original songs? Uh, but the rest of them, uh, we pretty much I came up with them. So um, and then some of them, um, like for instance, the priest, that's one of my favorite scenes because I think mm-hmm. it's really funny when <laughs> when he offers the woman the hundred dollars <laughs> solicitation or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but originally I had written that as uh three college guys, three fraternity guys mm-hmm. to a party somewhere up in Scottsdale. And, um, <clears throat> and then Matesh like, you know, that's just a little harder to shoot and takes more time and re- involves three people, you know, so just make that one person. Um, so I thought, okay, like who could that be? And uh, I thought, well, a priest, <laughs> you know uh from that uh bent um and then i thought okay like i've i kind of grew up without any religious tradition Mm -hmm. uh didn't go to church or anything growing up but then got involved in a christian faith and was involved with that for a very long time and now i'm kind of in a different place but still Mm -hmm. acknowledge and appreciate that and i thought okay like pretty much every time i see a christian portrayed in a secular movie a regular movie they're usually portrayed as like really bad mm-hmm. almost all the time they're 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 very hypocritical or they're mean or they're they're just not like good people so i thought okay i'm gonna make this priest and he's gonna be nice and lighthearted. he's gonna be sympathetic he's gonna say oh you, you went to church growing up sorry to hear that you know he's gonna he's gonna be lighthearted and funny and um and that was that was like fun portraying him that way because i felt like um, a lot of times people from from that background aren't portrayed positively in films. 
So um, in no way was the film like an evangelistic film. It wasn't, mm -hmm. it wasn't like, hey, uh, you know, uh, Shawnee, it, it wasn't like trying to. It wasn't like a, just a. Anything. It was a film. fun, magical adventure. It didn't but, come with an ad for christianmingle.com. <laughs> so anyway yeah i i think here's here's to answer your question mike the um the great thing about writing later in life mm -hmm. um is uh i heard this guy ryan holiday um he's written a book called the obstacle is the path mm -hmm. i heard him on the joe rogan podcast recently and um he he was going to write this book he had a contract to write a book they were going to give him a big money up front and then his mentor said, don't write it. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, you're only 25 or something. He's like, wait five years, wait seven years. You know, wait till you've had some interesting life experiences. You'll write a much better book. Okay, and that makes sense. So that's like, that's the huge, that's the secret advantage I have as being a <laughs> 58, now almost 62 year old screenwriter is I've had so much life experience and so many interactions. Um, that like I was actually watching the film earlier today too. Um, and I thought, oh yeah, that's that's from a conversation I had with my mom. That's from a conversation I had yeah. with my mm -hmm. son. That's you know, so that's where it came from. I, I yeah. liked how we were uh, while we were watching it near the end, we were all wondering who the man in suit was. We were we had a good idea of who it was, and it was just kind of funny how it was never actually said in the movie. We we made we we did make jokes, however, where we're like, "There's no way he would do a rideshare." <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. That's why. That's why a security guard. Like, are you sure with this? Sure about this, sir? Yeah. Now, now that does raise the question: Whose idea was it to get the mayor of Chandler? I was gonna say, yeah, that was like, like that's that was a miss. That's a cameo we didn't talk about. Yeah. yeah, that's there. There were a couple like the first one with uh, Josh. He can't. I'm like, wait, no, that actually. Holy shit, that is actually Josh. Yeah. And then all of a sudden he was like, Yeah, I'm like, why does he look familiar too? Like there's too much camera. And then and then he said, I'm like, How why the fuck is the mayor in here? <laughs> you gotta get those tax breaks for the movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I wish. Um, yeah, I met the mayor at the Chandler Film Festival and uh, had a chance to talk with him about it. He's a character. He's just a funny guy, fun loving mm -hmm. guy. Um yeah, Matesh knows him. Uh, the uh, the scene in the auto body shop, or when when um, Jeff's getting the car worked on yeah. at the auto repair shop, that's someone that Matesh knows. Mm -hmm. and, um, so it was just like, you know, involving involving people you know, and that's something that Mark and Jay Duplass um, believe in strongly. It's like work with people you know. If you know people, involve them in your projects. Um, and so yeah, that's where that's how he got in. Yeah, we. Um... Cause it was just funny because every once in a while we were looking at people and guessing where they came from. Uh, I I I did have one question: the main character's mom yeah. that they meet at the is that actually one of the crew's like real mom? Because she very much had like actual mom like <laughs> yeah. energy, mom energy and no, she just had great mom energy and vibe. Yeah, Nancy Mercurio is her name. And she was, she was just great. Like I remember being at the uh, casting call, um, which was, you know, again, one of those like weird moments of like, Oh my God, these people are standing up there reading lines of mm -hmm. dialogue right. that I wrote. Um, and, um, and I was like, Oh, she's great. She has the look, she has the vibe. Uh, same, same thing with AC Larkin who, who played Clint. 
you know, same thing with Jeff when Jeff came in. Um, in the first scene with him and his mom in the coffee shop, and he says, you know, I got laid off. And she's like, did you do something wrong? And then she said, was it the hair? <laughs> well, that wasn't in the original screenplay when I did the first draft. But when I saw Stu audition for that part and thought he might get the role, I changed that line like right away. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. funny. He was that good, you know. And then Samantha, uh, Matesh had her in mind when we wrote it because her real name is Samantha. Right. She's playing <laughs> Samantha Bell. Yeah, we were noticing yeah, that we like just that. Samantha was the same was the only person that like kept her name. Everyone else uh just didn't. Yeah. I yeah, I, I know while watching the movie, like we were watching like Samantha and like how her character progressed and we're like what what's happening with this character? Is she a gold digger? Does she like him? Because <laughs> it went back and it forth. kept going back and forth and we're like, what this is interesting. I need to know what happens. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. What happens after they get the big payday? Yeah. Um, yeah. She, um, I, I talked to a friend the other night who's like, man, I was waiting for her to get hers, you know? Yeah. yeah. It was hard to tell if she was a bad guy or not. Uh, yeah. We were making bets whether he, she was going to leave him or not. <laughs> I yeah. was near, I near the end. I was wondering if she was actually working with Clint. Oh, yeah. That's a good twist. <laughs> playing him the whole time that would have been funny yeah um, no but when she when she says you know hey i'm i'm going with you i'm not letting you go by yourself it was kind of like okay she's going in harm's way to help save mm -hmm. him okay. get him out of it so that that was her little bit of redemption but yeah i i actually wanted to have like kind of like maybe in the credits or something like that having both of them opening up a homeless shelter with these millions mm. of dollars that they're going to get you know mm. kind of add to that warm feeling of, Oh my gosh, you know, I mean, cause they helped, you know, uh, Harry out, you know, to get him off the street. But I just thought that would have been a good thing. But Matesh won an ending with that unnamed gentleman in the back seat of the right. <laughs> it's yeah. totally not Jeff Bezos. <laughs> What's okay. So the funny part about that scene is literally the second he shows up on screen, I literally made a joke. I'm like, man, who's this Jeff Bezos looking ass? And then, <laughs> and then he, he gets in and they're like, yeah, I started by selling books. Now I sell pretty much everything. And I'm like, okay, I was kidding. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, it was such a great scene. But the cool thing about that is the uh, actor, his name is Greg. And he's a good friend of mine. I know him from this uh, wine group that we're both involved in. And so when when uh, we were filming, I told the people in the group, like, hey, we're, you know, uh, casting call for extras if you want to, you know, be in the background or something. And he went down and showed up and they're like, oh, my God, you look just like Jeff <laughs> Okay. Uh, so, yeah, he got that fun speaking role there. So Nice. Yeah, because there are um, uh, some clients in the movie are, like, too well-to-do to use a ride share. <laughs> and I'm like, why are they here? Like, especially just Clint and Jeff Bezos. I'm like, Clint's carrying a giant, like, bag of cash. Why is he, like, going to use a... Why is he using, like, a ride share to transport right. wherever is to go to his office or whatever instead of, like, his own car? And then when they, act when they actually have a car scene, I was like, uh, oh, my God, they actually do have vehicles. <laughs> why was he in the ride share in the first place? <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. That's why. Yeah, he had an Escalade. Well, that's why he was asking if uh, if if um, Jeff 
yeah, if Jeff would want to work for him. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. He didn't have reliable transportation. He's like, you know, hey, you want to work for me? <laughs> Just like, I got a, I got a couple DUIs. I don't have a is license it, anymore. Uh, and... Is it that his entire, like, criminal organization owns the one car? <laughs> now, and now, it was being used at the time. <laughs> now, here's the question. Is it actually a criminal organization? Or is he just like he a really <laughs> aggressive businessman? <laughs> he he runs just like a boogie board rental at a beach, and, and yes. he's just super mean because that's how he was raised. Right. <laughs> um, I actually did want to ask, uh, as someone who's working in film and whatnot, um. Uh, do you have you have knowledge on like tax credits and stuff and how that affects filmmaking, right? Or are you not quite that far into it? No, I'm not really up to speed on that. Okay, I know there's some bills that have been passed in Arizona, which I know are yes. That that's what I was gonna bring up. The recent bill that passed that finally started doing film tax uh, credits in Arizona. Yeah. With that being passed and with your um tenure as the uh on the board for the uh, screenwriters association how do you feel arizona is as a place for filmmakers do you think it is a good place for arizona filmmakers to start and then move to california do you think people if they're a hundred percent serious want to commit that they need to move or should we just create the second hollywood here yes (laughs) yeah no this is a great place to start um for a lot of reasons. Number one, I mean, California is so expensive. Arizona's right. not. Um, New Mexico got way ahead of us with the mm-hmm. whole right. break bad thing, and they passed all these laws ahead. Every so Arizona takes place in New Mexico. Or Utah. <laughs> or Utah. So we're playing catch-up to them, but we're closer to Hollywood than they are, so we will catch up. Mm. Uh, the other great thing is that the cost of filming here is is just super inexpensive. It's super affordable. You can make film without um without sag actors and stuff like that um and um so do you guys have any idea what the budget on this film was we actually have no idea so you might okay let's play a game do you know what the budget was yeah okay price is right rules (laughs) what do you think the budget was kevin you actually know it okay so i'm i don't i'm gonna go with six figures so just like about a hundred thousand okay okay uh dang you literally took the number i was gonna i was gonna say 100,001 <laughs> i'll go i'll go with probably about 120 okay okay so 120 dollars. <laughs> so you guys got josh you guys had some drone shots in there not a lot but you had you some. had the mayor chandler you had yeah. the mayor um two original josh bezos you did you didn't ha- there wasn't a lot of actual set locations outside of fillmore the house and like the car I'm probably gonna say about one. I'm gonna say one forty-two. Okay, all good guesses, and Kevin is the winner, but he he went over by hundred percent. We did it for fifty thousand. Wow. Oh, okay, that's awesome. <laughs> so all of pre-production, post-production, editing, sound, everything. So uh, we brought it in really tight. Nice. Yeah, especially for it being like an hour forty, like that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, I remember like I went to the Chandler Film Festival last year and you guys said you saw a bunch of films at the Phoenix Film yeah. Festival. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I remember uh watching I don't know, I forget what uh 
probably best I don't for them. I don't say the name of the film, but it was not a good film. It was mm -hmm. one of those like someone wrote it, then it got changed, then the, you know took right. you know they started filming it, then they took six weeks. Um, the movie and, looks like it was filmed by three different directors at the yeah, same time. Yeah, and so some of the actresses were there, and it was like they were answering questions, and they were like deflecting and saying, "This is you know, don't blame us." Right. Uh, and um, so, so I didn't even want to ask them in the group Q and A, like, how much did this cost? You know, so I waited till afterwards. Uh, I went up to them, and they're like, "Yeah, it was like about one point two, one point four million." <laughs> it's like okay. <laughs> And and I remember thinking like, oh my gosh, like for fifty thousand, we made a better film than they did with all that money. Mm -hmm. uh, so so I I'm really proud to be associated from that perspective. Right. And, you know, Matesh's efforts and bringing together you know the cast and the actors and actresses and the crew. Everyone worked hard, worked their butts off, didn't get paid a whole lot of money, but I think it came out great. Mm. Yeah. Nice. So yeah, for fifty thousand dollars, it has like a very professional like film look um right. which because like you you know there's like uh, a lot of independent films have that kind of like not camcorder quality like look but like you know the uh, the the quality isn't there but like uh, it combining the lighting and the camera uh it was like just it was like professional looking mm -hmm. yeah yeah um Bernie Taron uh, was a director of photography and mm -hmm. did a phenomenal job. Um, it was his second uh, feature with Matesh. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. And he's really, really good. Nice. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so just to kind of just jump all over the place. Yeah. Uh, what happened to, you said you also, uh, the first project that you worked with Matesh was a repeat, right? Um, a reset. Reset, a reset, program. yeah. Yeah. Uh, what ended up with that project? Is that out? So, no, that's, um, I did the first draft and then, uh, we paused it and he was finishing up on, um, house of quarantine. And then I wrote, uh, instant karma. So it's, it was just, there were some bigger sets in it, like some casino shots and stuff like that. Um, and it was during the, uh, early days of the pandemic. Right. And so, just couldn't film some of it and there's chase scenes and police cars and yeah. all kinds of stuff. So hopefully that'll get made at some point. And with the scale of instant karma being like, just kind of relatively simple with not a lot of uh, like action and stuff going on. And you guys just decided to, uh, cause it was like what the second project you guys were working on together decided to start and then finish it within how's long the, how, how long was the entire production? Did you say? Um, we probably filmed it in about 10 days. Most, most of the film was probably done in 10 days or maybe a day or two of pickup shots. Mm -hmm. uh, that sounds like a lot of tight turnaround. Yeah. It's like, he gets a lot of done, a lot done in a day, like mm -hmm. 10 pages a day. Um, and I know that like power went out the night that they were filming at the warehouse and they had to like redo that again. So. That sounds uh, like it would uh, add to the mood because it was already dark in there. <laughs> exactly, but like it went dark and there was no AC and it was uh -oh. just like it was just brutally. They had to do that another day. But sweaty uh, actors would you know make it more realistic because they're yeah, but then it also be really uncomfortable. <laughs> there, there's movie dark and there's the camera can't pick up shit dark. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think that's where it was. Yeah. It's the lighting guys that are uh, more worried because none of their stuff works. <laughs> They're like, okay, I need five people's cell phones with the flashlights on. We're going to aim them in this direction, <laughs> and we're going to get this going. That's right. Pull up your car, get the lights. Yeah. <laughs> Put on the floodlights. Yeah. So, you guys got any other... Um, so, there are... At, after finishing the movie, there are still kind of just, like, questions on how uh, everything works. But one of the mysteries that we were trying to figure out during the climax of the movie is what actually happened with Clint when he got his bag, uh, like, leaving Jeff's car. Like, was that the duplicate bag that... The, that uh, Oh right! At the yes. the karmic god generated, or yeah. did he like? Because because I was because I was like, well no I think Clint got the bag that he originally came with, but yeah. he just saw that Jeff was like playing around with a bag of cash in his car and just assumed that that was his. Well, he yeah it was like Clint had his million. Yeah. Saw uh, him looking at a bag that looks just like his with a bunch of money in it. And after he saw the shady drop off with Emilio, he just thought, okay, I'm going to take advantage of this situation and get that guy's money too. And he's like, so he's saying it in such a way that Jeff doesn't know what's going on. Okay. Okay. Got it. Because we were also like trying to figure out just like Samantha, how the rules of how this karma (laughs) works, how does, uh, what, what is it? What are the steps to like multiply all of your goods? (laughs) <laughs> what what's the ratio like because he gave one pack of gum and he got like 10 he gave away 20 bucks he got 200 okay yeah yeah Went bag lunch he got like 10 times as much and three big bags of groceries yeah, yeah. so it was, always, it was always a 10 to 1 i think we did make a joke though with the orbits that was like <laughs> he's part of the rewards program and he's just trying to cash in on those free rewards points baby he's gonna he's gonna get that orbits uh branded car real soon <laughs> with the wrap yeah so um with all that being said do you have any upcoming projects that you can talk about that anything that you'd like to pimp out like yeah, a yeah. website or anything anything you'd like to shout out advertise well definitely um and i i'd love to hear your thoughts on the movie like what you liked what you didn't like because i you know like i said earlier i think that's helpful for me so i don't mind you saying that while i'm on on the air with you that's fine um but you know i'm just so proud of this movie and and everyone mm-hmm. is involved in it like i you know you don't get this feeling much in life where you feel like oh my gosh how did i get how did i get to be a part of this you know, and that's that's the way I, I felt. And uh, I was able to make the contribution that I made. But so many people made their contributions as well. And I think it produced such a really great film. And uh, Emma Tesh, you know, brought it all together with his vision of making films. Um, and he'd be a fun guest for you guys to have on as well. Uh, just his story of how he got into filmmaking and stuff like that. Um, but uh, so... So number one, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the film. I'm glad to have been a part of it. Um, and I know, you know, it's the first one. Uh, you know, we, I said earlier, um, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing poorly. Mm. You know, so I, every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, that could be better. That could be better. That could be better. You know, and I'm fine with that. You know, it's like, I know it could have been better. But I also, um, 
You guys know who Jack Canfield is? Uh, uh, I'm not aware. I am not either. Chicken Soup for the Soul. You ever hear that? Now I do know who he is. Okay, yeah. Um, they, they, I don't know, they, they've sold over 500 million copies of their books. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a book called The Success Principles, which I'm re-listening to for the third time. And uh, one of the things he says is, uh, ready, fire, aim. <laughs> he said, because most people in life do ready, aim, 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 aim. And just, uh, just so hung up on it. Right. And never fire. And so um, I'm glad that we fired and we're aiming and we're getting better. And mm-hmm. Woman in Maze is going to be phenomenal. Um, hopefully that'll be coming out in October because it's a horror thriller. Oh, so um, you have like a bunch of production already done? Oh, it's, yeah, we uh, finished film this in post-production. Uh, I met with Matesh yesterday. He said he's got a rough cut that he's going um, show to show to a group of people and get some feedback. And so mm-hmm. hopefully that'll be out in the fall. Um, and actually on that one, um, I'm an executive producer on that. So I've invested some money in that. Ooh. Um, so I'm excited about that. I'm excited about <laughs> That one doing well, because um, with Instant Karma, it was like, I got a flat fee right in the script. Right. That's it. Um, so even if Instant Karma blows up and a bunch of people watch it, I'm, I'm not getting paid. Right. <laughs> you already got your paycheck, and so, yeah. 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 So, um, and that's how I'll, like, if it does well, that's how I'll be able to do more of this full time. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, it, you know, locally. But so, um, yeah, Woman in the Maze coming out in the fall, and then... Um, Let's see. Yeah, I got it right here. Um, what I was meeting with Matesh for yesterday was uh, to go over um, a contract for Christmas Karma. Oh, okay. So this is my 30-page outline. Um, usually my outlines aren't that long, but I included a lot of dialogue when I was writing it this time because mm-hmm. I was just hearing it. Um, and uh, so hopefully we'll be filming that one uh, this coming Christmas season, and it'll be released the following christmas season nice. oh, okay I, I was gonna say like oh you're gonna film it during christmas season and then try to release it immediately so that it's still christmas <laughs> yeah. season you want to do it when there's decorations up right. and, you know, okay you wanna... he, that, oh that's a way to like save on budget yeah, if yeah. all of the decorations are already up exactly yeah the christmas tree <laughs> those edit those editors are going to be on coffee iv drips <laughs> to get that shit pumped <laughs> get out this done. get this done so uh yeah um, honestly, we are kind of getting to the point where we, uh, would start wrapping up, but, okay. uh, I do want to say it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Really appreciate you taking the time to interview with us and, uh, I hope, wish the best for instant karma and for your future projects. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right. With that, I'm Ritter. I'm Mike. And I'm Kevin. And, uh, we're Cinema Buns. Uh, you can catch us on Twitter at Bun Cinema patreon cinema buns and uh bye